This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. I think that's highly inappropriate. A guy like, uh, what's his name there? Um, what is his name? Michael Haley. Hey, you have the part about where, uh, what's his, uh, Nikki Haley renames her husband? So they're dating. This is years before they got married. Oh, brother. All right, go ahead with that, please. Before we knew it, he was universally known as Michael. Everyone who knew him before I did knows him as Bill. And everyone who met him after I did knows him as Michael. He looks like a Michael. After we started dating, I looked at him one day and said, what's your name? You know it's Bill, he said, puzzled. You just don't look like a Bill. What's your whole name? William Michael. From that point on, I started calling him Michael, and all my friends did the same. Um, isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of control freakish? Right? Total control freak. Total control freak. And weird. And this is America. You're still allowed to point things out. All right. What else we got going here? I got to go back to the report. Um, oh, man. Already getting blowback. Nikki Haley and her deep state friends. Nikki Haley and her deep state friends. Oh, you can't talk about me. I'm special. What the hell's so special about you, Nikki? You're an ex-governor. You're an ex-whatever. You're running for president. We're allowed to say stuff about you, especially if it's based in fact. We're allowed to. This is still America. I am tired of uh, important people trying to tell me that I don't have freedom of speech. <laughs> In the big tech world and elsewhere. Whatever. Whatever. All right. Let's see here. What do we got going? Um, I want to come back to the great big treasure trove of information about Joe Biden. What a bad guy he is. And this guy, Robert Hur knows it. Oh, and so did Joe Biden's staffers at the time. You ready for this one? All right. So Joe is squirreling away all of his secret stuff while he's uh, while he's vice president. And the staff notices and they don't like it. So somebody writes a memo for the record. We don't have that person's name. The name is known to the to the council, but nobody else. Ready? For the record, on October 18th, 2016, in the office of the Vice President's National Security Affairs Office, there began a discussion of the use and disposition of the Vice President's notes. These notes, which are currently being stored in the EEOB, Room 291, contain classified information that is commingled with personal notes of the Vice President. They cover a span of several years. None of the notes have classification markings or otherwise indicated as containing classified information. The determination of classified content was made by the Deputy National Security Advisor after reviewing the content. Kristin Batichik, the Vice President's Executive Secretary, 
insists that the notes belong to the vice president and should be made available to him without restriction. She has indicated that she is aware that these notes will be used during the book writing process, but she is confident that he, the vice president, understands which information is classified and which is not. Kristen has stated that these notes should not be subjected to the regulations of the Presidential Records Act because they fall under the category of personal notes. She has stated that the vice president can't keep these notes, including the classified portions, without redaction after the administration has ended. She has repeatedly stated that his position as the vice president of the United States excludes him from the guidance that other members of the administration are required to adhere to. I do not agree with Kristen Bakacek. I believe these records are being mishandled. However, Kristen is my superior officer, and I am not in a position to challenge her authority. I have requested to not participate in any project uh, or meetings that involve these records. That's pretty interesting. There are people all over the place who knew that this was reckless and wrong and weird, and it has to stop. But Joe just gets his way, doesn't he? All right. I want to go back into this thing. Um, ah, here's something that everybody is missing, but yours truly sees it. Okay. You ready for this? Ah, All right. Vice president Joe Biden will present himself as a kind elderly man, somewhat forgetful, and a jury will feel immense sympathy and want to assign him reasonable doubt. Here's what people are missing. He will present himself. He will present himself. So they're not saying that Joe Biden is those things, but he's saying that he will strategically present himself that way. Now, I know that Joe Biden has a crummy memory. He's all phasey and hug and all that stuff. We've all seen it. But to the point that you don't know when Bo died, to the point that you don't know when you were vice president of the United States, as out of it as he is, he would know those things. And if he did not, and his lawyer is sitting right there, his lawyer should have stopped the whole thing because his clients seem to be having a stroke, right? So he will present himself in a certain way. And that's what they can't, that's what they fear. That's what the prosecutors fear. Also, there's a big kind of uh, question mark in people's minds to the extent that they've looked at this thing. And unfortunately, not many people have, but... um the whole idea of marked documents versus classified information in notebooks. A marked document would be like a map that is stamped secret or top secret, and it's printed by – it's professionally printed, and it has or, – or it's typed, and it's been produced by somebody else. It's been produced by the Central Intelligence Agency. It's been produced by the Homeland Security Department. It's been produced by the Director of National Intelligence, and it might have like – you know. Four weapons systems that the Houthis are using right now and their vulnerabilities. It's written by somebody else. Now, if I'm in a meeting with President Obama, say, and I'm sitting in the situation room and I take out an ordinary notebook and I start writing things down, that notebook immediately becomes classified. That notebook becomes classified information. And depending upon what I write in it, it could become top secret classified information. So it looks like an ordinary notebook. It's not stamped secret, but Joe knows full well that once you start putting secret stuff in there, that thing is classified. But Joe insisted that, no, I could take it. And that's what this person was flipped out about. 
I see a picture here of Joe stuffing a notebook in his uh, briefcase with all kinds of secret stuff in it. That is uh, breaking the law. And they actually say that Joe broke the wall, wall willfully when it's willful. What is that? We've heard willful. What does willful actually mean? What is the definition of willful? Willful. Well, they actually put it in here. It's on page 184, the definition. And I think it sounds even worse than the word willful uh, concealment, willfully taking this stuff home, willfully retains. The government must prove that a defendant willfully retained the material. And remember, they said that on page one. Willfulness is a heightened mens rea, which, as articulated by the Supreme Court in Bryan versus the United States, requires proof that the defendant acted with knowledge that the conduct was unlawful. And they determined that. They determined that. Isn't that amazing? They determined that he knew it was unlawful and he did it anyway. Willful, a willful retention and disclosure of classified information. Sounds even worse than the word willful, right? The defendant acted with the knowledge that his conduct was unlawful. I think that's very, very serious, don't you? What else we got here? Um, Joe Biden is only consumed with his legacy and his future. He is taking this stuff not to become a subject matter expert on you know fighting terrorists or the war in Afghanistan. He's taking it down. He's taking it home to cover his ass. So he can portray himself as the one guy who knew better. The one guy. Um, that's, that's really bad. I thought he was doing the people's work. No. The other thing that's really strange and not receiving nearly enough attention, Joe Biden writes a 40-page memo. Handwrites it. <laughs> who does that these days? Joe did it. It's a memo to President Obama saying, do not send more troops to Afghanistan. Obama already made up his mind. He's sending more troops to Afghanistan. This is all the way back in 2009. Why would he write that down by hand? And it looks like Homer Simpson wrote it to president from vice president. And the cover sheet says, I am sending this to you in two parts. Please call me as soon as you're done reading them. Like, okay, uh, vice president, (laughs) you don't give me homework assignments and... So have you ever heard the saying, you can get anything done in life that you want as long as you're willing to share the credit? I don't know who said that first. I think it might have been Truman. You can do anything you want. You can get anything you want done as long as you don't care who gets the credit. I think that's a little bit not entirely accurate, but there's something to it. So at this point in 2009, Joe seems to know the decision has been made. If he really wanted to move the needle, though, on on administration thinking, well, you write a memo, you type it. That can be what could what what happens to something that you receive on the internet in your email box? And there's such a thing as secret email. So they have secret email. Uh, they call it Cipernet. The internet you got Cipernet, secret internet. You can forward it to people. You can send it on to somebody else. And, and then they add their comments. And what happens as a memo gets kind of transferred around? Well, you might forget about the original author, right? You might forget who actually originally wrote it. And then people can kind of pick and choose some of your ideas. And look, if your ideas are good enough, you know, success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan, right? 
So you got a lot of people, you, you got people buying in to your idea. Now, the chain of custody, though, becomes a little murky. Where did this idea come from? You know, I, I, well, I had it. No, well, then like, okay, but I got it from that. But I was thinking this anyway, so it's my idea too. Whatever. It's just kind of human nature. Joe writes a memo that came from him right to, to Barack Obama and then right back to Joe. So he doesn't really care about changing anybody's mind. He just wants it on record that he tried to change one mind, that it was his idea. That's why I think he wrote the damn thing. Who writes by hand? 40 pages, right? Does that make any sense? I don't think it makes any sense other than my little scenario. Do I know that for a fact? No, but I do know that they put it in there. And I am convinced that Joe Biden offended them. This document is replete with corrupt conduct by Joe Biden, leaving our most sensitive secrets in a broken box on the floor of a garage, which isn't even in the house. Donald Trump, who was fully authorized to take every shred of paper that he wanted to take with him. You know what he did with these documents? He put him in the most magnificent house in the country, Mar-a-Lago, which is under Secret Service protection. Joe Biden lost his Secret Service protection when he stopped being vice president. He had it for a little while, six months. So from January 20th of 2017 to the end of July 2017, he had Secret Service. Then he's just a regular schnook, and his house is unguarded. You see this? You see what's happening here? There is so much here. And it really kind of breaks my heart that more people and, and people who should know better, but they're lazy and they're too reliant on the New York Times because they're not doing it. Because the Times is not doing it. They're going to give themselves a pass. Not around here. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, thank you, whatever band this is. Uh, Boston? Is it Boston? Out, outfield. Outfield. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Outfield. All right, that's good. Listen, I want to send you something right now. Let's get this on the air. Uh, this is what Joe, I'm sorry, this is what Donald Trump said about NATO that has horrified everybody. I don't see it as very um, horrifying at all. I feel like this is uh, Trump negotiating. This is Trump getting what he wants. And what, do, what does he want? What do we want? Um, we don't want to be taken for chumps on the world stage when NATO... Um, 
you know, we have this alliance. Uh, for it to mean something, we need countries to pay their fair share. Now, there's a percentage, I believe, of GDP, gross domestic product, that each country is compelled to um, give the alliance. The, 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 defending, the, the defense spending has to be a certain percentage, and it has to go to defending the alliance, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. For all, By the way, all these people who are all bent out of shape. Oh, my gosh, NATO, he's – I mean – I would like to pull one of them aside and say, how many countries in NATO can you actually name? I'd like to see that. Most people can't name every single country. I could a a while ago, for the hell of it, I just memorized them all. Um, I was working at the Pentagon, and they had this thing called the NATO Corridor. And just for giggles, I I remembered every country. The only one I can think of right now is Latvia. But (laughs) I know there are more than that. There's the UK. There's France. There's – I think even Spain is in there. A lot of countries. Um, But – so this is what Trump said the other night, right? All right. So this is what everybody is all fired up about. Go ahead. One of the presidents of a big country stood up, said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. This is a way to get them to pay their bills. This is not a way, right? So the fake news and everybody else, and now Joe Biden has come out of his sarcophagus to condemn these remarks as anti-American. He just came out there. Uh, the best uh, defense is a good offense, eh, Joe? Right? I mean, you know, you can't talk about all those. Cl- what about how, you know, that's hurting America? What about putting top secret documents on the floor of your garage? I think that hurt America. I think that image actually hurts America. You were supposed to know better, weren't you? Hello, Barbara. Hi, hi, Greg. There's so much going on. It's hard to know where to start with a comment. But I will start with Nikki Haley being offended or her people being offended that you're actually talking about her. Well, this week down here in Sarasota, Florida, I went to a lovely ladies' luncheon at a tea room, and we ate little sandwiches, and we drank tea, and we had cute little cookies, and never a coarse word was spoken, certainly not politics. But you know what, Nikki? This is not a tea party. You are asking us to give you the greatest of public trust, and you must be questioned, and you must be open to questioning. Thomas Jefferson said, when a man assumes a public trust, he should consider himself as public property and justly liable to the inspection and vigilance of public opinion. Oh, I like that. Who said that again? Thomas Jefferson. Oh. Thomas Jefferson had a rough time in the presidency, and he also said, no man will ever bring out of the presidency the reputation which carries him into it. Huh. To myself, it brings nothing but drudgery and daily loss of friends. Get used to it, Nikki. This is Life in the Fast Lane. Thank you. Go ahead and send me that if you would, Barbara. Thank you so much. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's true. Donald Trump kept these uh, documents in, in the equivalent of a shrine. It was a shrine. He took them seriously. He treated them as if they were uh, sensitive documents, lock and key inside one of the most exclusive homes in the world. Uh, Joe Biden let this crap all over his house. 
And the other thing that it's important to point out to everybody is what was actually in this stuff. You know, it wasn't just the secret stuff. It was all this, you know, household paraphernalia that Joe was dealing with. Let's see here. His book contract. He's got the Afghanistan file, right? Then he got his book contract for $8 million. Um, let's see. You got a manila envelope containing documents from February and March of 2017 relating to Joe Biden's retirement payments and his then current health insurance information, along with a copy of the Senate ethics manual bearing Mr. Biden's handwriting. Mr. Biden also wrote on the envelope, including the date 417, an apparent reference to April of 2017. These months, February, March and April 17th, coincide with and closely to uh, one second, 142, 143. Uh, closely to all of the work that he was doing with his ghostwriter. Okay, so it was at the same time. Let's see here. A white binder labeled 2016 contained detailed financial information about Mr. Biden's income and expenses, including expenses relating to the Virginia home. Mr. Biden described this type of financial binder as the sort of material that he knowingly kept in his files. When interviewed, his sister uh, Ms. Valerie Biden Owens identified materials in the binder as ones she printed for Mr. Biden at his request. A brown maroon binder labeled Bow, Iowa, which appears to have been compiled in roughly 2014 and which contains, among other things, photographs of Bo Biden campaigning in Iowa. The box also contained other materials of personal interest to Mr. Biden, some of which goes back decades and some of which extend for years after Mr. Biden told his ghostwriter that he had found the classified documents. These include the Biden archives, which compiled ancestry information about the Biden family and which was addressed to Mr. Biden's parents at their home in Delaware. Photos and biographical information of Mr. Biden and other members of his graduating law school class from 1967. A file labeled VP Image Press contained a 2015 newspaper article from the Delaware News Journal. The article's opening sentence reads, While Vice President Joe Biden has assured himself a place in U.S. history books, his legacy, his political legacy in tiny Delaware is epic. You see again? There's classified stuff about Iraq and Afghanistan. Right next to this stuff is the personal stuff of interest, i.e. it proves that Joe Biden was accessing and knew about the classified material he had. And he's lying when he said he would have turned over immediately any classified material that he found after his vice presidency, before his presidency, to the appropriate authorities. That's not true, and they know it, and this is what they're really driving home. Because I think they want to damage him a little bit, and appropriately so. Because they want to charge him. (laughs) And they could charge him, but they don't think a jury's going to buy it. Not that he's innocent. Also, right next to the Afghanistan secret uh, secret documents and the Iraq secret documents, there's polling data related to the 2016 presidential election showing Mr. Biden outperforming Mr. Trump in several swing states that Hillary Clinton lost. Documents from the end of the Obama administration, for example, information about Mr. Biden's move out of the Naval Observatory from November of 2016, a folder about the Penn Biden Center with materials from November of 2016, moving company information for Mr. Biden and Dr. Jill Biden from December of 2016, and a folder relating to the Biden Institute at the University of Delaware dated January 3rd, 2017. You see all these phony baloney arrangements these guys get? You know, some sinecure at the University of Pennsylvania, the Penn Biden Center, 
the Biden, uh, the Biden scholarship program at the University of Delaware, all these places to hang a hat and take in money. Documents from the first few months of the Obama administration when Mr. Biden, no, sorry, documents from the first few months after the Obama administration when Mr. Biden was a private citizen. An IRS form 1099 for tax year 2017 documenting Mr. Biden's lump sum payment to his ghostwriter for his work ghostwriting Promise Me Dad and other tax documents dated 2018. A binder of briefing materials from the 2020 presidential campaign dated from 2019 and 2020. Inside the binder are personal photos of Mr. Biden and his family, including his grandchildren. Note cards with presidential campaign remarks from 2020. In sum, the materials surrounding the marked classified documents about Afghanistan were of personal importance to Mr. Biden and were materials he appears to have accessed around the time he told Mr. Zwanitzer, his ghostwriter, while they were in Mr. Biden's Virginia home, that he had just found all the classified stuff downstairs. Slam dunk, he's guilty. And it's a beautiful thing. But if a tree falls in the forest, you know what I mean? I'm doing my best. I'm trying. I'm working my ass off with this stuff. And there is such laziness and denial. And I wonder, I know, maybe it's not the most fun stuff to listen to. But what we have here is smoking gun proof that Joe Biden violated the law, that Joe Biden is 10 times, has 10 times more culpability and exposure, a thousand times more culpability and exposure than anything Donald Trump may or may not have done. And then that brings me back to this weirdo memo that he writes the president of the United States in his own handwriting. Can anybody, and I'm open to it, I'm open to it. Can you tell me why anybody would do that? What do you think? If if I'm writing a letter to my boss, whether it's John Casamitidis or others, I'm going to I'm going to like make it nice and legible. I'm going to use a computer printer. I understand those things are readily available to consumers, right? Why wouldn't he? How about this? Readily available to consumers. What about to uh, vice presidents? They've got staffs. They've got deputy staffs. Their assistants have assistants. They've got the military aides, deputy military aides. They've got stewards. They've got people taking care of their laundry, their dishes, everything. That's actually in there. They talk about the people who took care of uh, Joe's laundry. Uh, i got to read this to you. About a month after the move to Virginia, I'm sorry, about a month after the move from Virginia to Delaware in late August 2019, A photo shows what appears to be the same box as the garage box containing the Afghanistan documents inside the Delaware home in Mr. Biden's main floor office immediately next to his desk. Now, that's kind of important. And I'm looking at the picture right now. It's the same box that ultimately found its way into the garage. So Joe can't say, well, this stuff, somebody just dumped it in the garage and I never knew about it. You see? Well, talk about a thorough investigation. Do they have any idea? Any idea that this was going to happen? The answer is no. Now, if I go, and I should, and I will, compare this to the indictment of Donald Trump, which is very vague, which doesn't, is is, is like, there's no real wrongdoing that they they list. They just say, well, it was classified and it was found at Mar-a-Lago, therefore, we deserve it back, or something like that. Uh, And there's a lot of talk about... Um the letters that they were contesting from the National Archives. That was one of the worst things ever. Biden, Trump remarks. Okay, now they're trying to stir up everybody. Oh, Joe Biden is uh, 
Donald Trump says he's going to blow off NATO, and they're trying to get regular people scared about it. That's what the media does, right? They try to make people scared. The FBI does not screw around when they want to. They are, okay, so we have this box in the garage, and they have a clear view of the box because, well, they seized it. So they take a picture of it, and on the top of the box it says desk file, cabinet. Desk file and cabinet. Now, they think this is the same um, box that was found inside or actually was stored inside for a short time. They have a picture, just some picture, like where it's in the background. Maybe Joe is being interviewed. And in the background, you can see this box, but it's covered by a bunch of other papers. So you don't have a really good view of it. But you do have, you can kind of make out the D in desk. And it's written in the same place. It's written in just about the same place place and that's pretty damned interesting it's the same d they traced it these guys wow when they want to be professional they can be very very professional they can be very very good unfortunately they've um, well talking about the fbi i'm just really thankful that this guy her got involved robert her you know he was born in new york city uh, let's see what else about this guy. He went to Harvard undergrad. He went to Stanford Law School. They were joking on the show the other day on Morning Joe. Oh, what did he do? Go to Trump University? He's, this guy's not very smart. He went to Trump University. I uh, Let's see here. Mr. Biden's garage. The classified Afghanistan documents, the classified files in Mr. Biden's garage relating to the trips discussed and promises to keep were part of a larger set of materials in Mr. Biden's home chronicling his experiences and achievements, particularly in foreign policy. You may think, okay, that's great. I think it's selfish. I think it shows once again that this guy was all about himself. Hey, did you hear about the guy who tried to shoot up um, Lakewood Church? Our friend Joel Osteen, right? The great pastor down there. Some maniac walks in uh, with a gun, <clears throat> got promptly shot by two guys with guns. I think they both worked for, they were both, one was a cop, the other, one was a Houston cop. I don't want the, know what the other one did. Unfortunately, a four-year-old, innocent four-year-old was with this shooter. And the four-year-old was shot, critically wounded. I haven't heard an update. I hope the, I hope, I hope the little guy makes it. But the, the person who opened or brought the gun in and on the, stock of the weapon it says free palestine so it's one of those idiots um previously this is a woman biological woman who weren't around telling everybody that the name she liked was jeffrey call me jeffrey it's a biological woman but wants to be called jeffrey i'm looking at the picture quite frankly it looks like uh, there might be a wannabe masculinity to it and uh, it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, this is another transgender who opened fire. And uh, how many more examples do we need to know that transgenderism is a form of mental illness? It's a form of mental illness. We can be mentally ill. I always hear. I, I, somebody lecture me. You can't say that. It, it stigmatizes people. I mean, how many how many public service announcement campaigns can we get of, uh, hey, where's Mike Didino? Can he come in? I do want to ask him about this thing. That Kelsey guy. Let me wrap that up about mental health. Everyone tells me there's no stigma. There's no stigma, right? So why is it that we can't say transgender, which they officially recognized as a health disorder, gender dysphoria? You can't say that because it's going to make somebody feel bad. 
You know what makes somebody feel bad? Getting shot. Getting shot. And they cover up when a transgender is involved. we got a real thing here. It's a real trend. It's really happening. And I think that's terrible. All right. I'm rooting for Mozzie Pillip. It has stopped snowing, so we don't have to worry about that. Get the hell out there and vote for Mozzie Pillip. You don't want that. You don't want Democrats to take control of the House of Representatives. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine that? And also, get back to me. I think that guy, Kelsey, should be in a lot of trouble. If I were the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, I would bench him for the first four games, and I would fine him $10,000. You get into my coach's face, and you get physical with my coach, man, you really are big on yourself, right, with the Taylor Swift boyfriend. I personally... uh I think you have made a fool out of yourself. And we can all see that this is a phony relationship designed to enhance your whatever, your influencer status, and maybe kind of make up for that, your your uninformed medical advice regarding vaccines. Last thing I need to hear from uh, uh, is from a jock about whether or not we take the vaccine. You know what I mean? No disrespect to jocks, but stick to the game. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Super Bowl is over, and it makes not one lick of difference in anybody's life. Not one. Zero. No impact whatsoever. It's just dumb. It's almost like it never happened. Uh, I feel like I had an amazing jump on the week. I almost feel like it's daylight savings time or what spring ahead, fall back. I felt like we fall back because I gained so much extra time by not watching that stuff. I don't need to see the black national anthem. I don't need to see uh, uh, woke urgings uh, and racism in the end zone. I don't see need to see athletes getting into better shape and richer while I sit there uh, declining and eating my ass off. Mike DeDino, hello. And I also don't need to see that horrible non-sportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct, uh, uh, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, you know, he thinks he's all that because he's going out with uh, Taylor Swift. He got in the face of his coach and pushed him physically. That is, that guy should be benched next season and fined and maybe even worse. Uh, I thought that was a disgrace, Mike. Well, Greg, nice to be back. I actually disagree with you in this instance. I do not have a major problem with what happened with Travis Kelsey, obviously, um, overreacted, he got in his coach's face, he can't be doing that, but that's the type of stuff that happens in Super Bowl when you have two competitive guys, in Kelsey's case, uh, uh, a little bit off, a little bit out there, a little bit um, enraged, and, you know, he just let the emotions get the best of him, and I think that stuff happens in football a lot. I don't see, actually, you know what, when I see football, I see unruly people. I mean, half of them have had trouble with the law, and then they blow off authority. They blow off like the coach. How many how many high school kids are going to like blow off their coach now as yeah. a result? The whole damn thing is a waste of time. Uh, you know, I know you have a passion for it. I know you like it, and that's good. But I I fear that it's going to take up. It's taking up too much time in your life, even though you love it so much. It's just these people don't care about your problems. In fact, they're trying to make you have problems. What about the sports betting? All of a sudden, I feel like I'm watching a. Uh, you know, casino television all the time. They, they want my money. They want me to bet on this, that, and the other thing. Uh, Tom Brady, you've made enough money. You want you want young men to use what little discretionary income that's going losing value because of inflation. You want us to bet on on on, on sports. 
I agree with you here, and while I disagree with most of your football takes, especially in the Super Bowl, I thought it was a great game and it was the most watched television hey, event. Stop, stop. I didn't say it was a – I was not commenting on whether it was a high-quality game or a low-quality game. We don't have football I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. Well, I used to be, but it's become too commercial. It's become too expensive. And the other thing, actually, it's almost too good. The endings of the last several games, Super Bowls, I noticed they're always like, wow, they're always like the best game ever. We're we're entering into pro wrestling territory where it's engineered ahead of time. Not quite yet for the football. I think not that, quite yet. That's not, not quite a, yet, Mike. That's not exactly a firm like it never happened well, or not, never could happen. True. It won't happen, and it's. Not I true. think it's already happening. But. I do agree with you with the gambling. Now it's becoming too much. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, every time you go on the internet, every time you watch a game, there are commercials that are pushing people to get into gambling, and as you mentioned. Who are they trying to get? They're trying to get young males, and they're trying to get, for the most part, just underaged kids to put bets on the games, and it's not good. It's too much. I am somebody that enjoys gambling. I think it gets to destroy people's lives. Beca- too- you you enjoy gambling? At times. I think it's fun. You at gamble times. on the game? I, I always I can't, I'm, 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 I gambled a little bit on the game. Nothing crazy. I, I threw a parlay that had no chance to to win and lost in the first five minutes of the game. I lost twenty bucks. Some guy at work said, "Do you want to do you want to buy a box?" Yeah, the boxes. I didn't man. even know. I said, "What box? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Fine." I gave him twenty bucks, and of course, I lost. You don't win those. It's 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 toxic. But I think at to- times it's well, toxic. I felt it was like toxic if I didn't do it. I felt like it was yeah, like a party pooper at the office. Like I had to do it. Do you know what numbers you got? No, I didn't even ask. So I said, you, maybe you did I said, win. I said, where's didn't my, tell you. And where's, you said, where, where, this guy Kelly's not no, really no, keeping the, up with the, us. The, the person, I know who won. And I got that person to give the 20 bucks. <laughs> I said, look, give the, I want to owe you. I don't want to owe him. So that's how that worked. All right, man. Well, uh, good luck. I guess, what are you focused on now that football's over? Go into like basketball for the Knicks, the Rangers, cover that stuff on the website and whatnot. And just go into basketball and hockey, and then we go into baseball come April, a little March Isn't Madness. the hockey season already going, right, the hockey season? The thing I can't stand about hockey is everybody makes the playoffs. Half the teams do. That's that's too, too many. Basketball is even worse at this point. Basketball, like 60% of the teams get involved in the playoffs, and somehow they just want our money and they want our viewership. And I, I won't stand for it anymore. I saw a picture of Mark Zuckerberg walking in an auditorium full of people wearing the new Facebook headsets. Yes. And they're like, it looked like a thousand people were wearing these Facebook goggles. And guess who wasn't wearing one? Zuckerberg. And the caption was, good drug dealers never use their own product. And I feel like that's kind of, it's kind of a thing with sports a little bit. I don't know. I used to be into it. I grew out of it, Mike. But no, it works for you. But uh, be careful, and thank you for uh, for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Uh, all right, I got to go in a minute. But who's been waiting the longest? Nate, hello. <laughs> Never mind then. Ernest, hello. Thank you for your service, sir. I just want to say a couple of quick things. The, the woman that calls in, named Barbara, she is such a lady. I love her. She's amazing. Number two. I almost hit my my buddy's vehicle. He had two bumper stickers. Picture of Biden with the clown nose. It said, elect a clown, expect a circus. The other one was a picture of Trump, and he was such a great photo. And it said, I love Donald Trump. He pisses off the people I can't stand. Thank you very much for sharing, and have a great day. All to be continued. Uh-huh.
Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.